Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about humor, mental health, chronic pain, and faith. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Dina Dyer. Dina is an author, speaker, and coach whose passion is sharing words of humor and hope with weary people. You can learn more about Dina by visiting her website, dinadyer.com, and I'll include a link in the description. And you can also connect to her through Instagram and Facebook as well. Welcome, Dina. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Linda. I appreciate it. I'm so delighted that we were able to connect. It took a couple of tries, but I'm so excited. I loved in your bio when you talked about that you had been married to your wonderful hubby, Carrie, for 24 wonderful years, plus a couple other that we don't talk about. And that made me laugh uh, because isn't that the truth? Isn't that the way that marriage goes? So let's start with talking about marriage and family. You've mentioned that marriage and parenting are some of the hardest and yet most rewarding things that you have ever done. Do you want to expound on that? Sure, I'd love to. So we have two sons. One is almost 18 and one is 24 in June. And so I've gone through, you know, parenting little kids and now young adults. And then marriage, I've been married almost 27 years. And both of those things God has used to stretch and grow me more than I ever thought possible. So some of that growth, of course, in our lives comes from difficulties and challenges. So I say that, you know, marriage and parenting keeps me on my knees, but that's really the best place to be because when I'm on my knees, I'm saying, I don't have it all figured out and I need you, God, for wisdom and just for um, endurance and for keeping a great attitude during all the ups and downs of those relationships. Isn't that the truth? And when you said keeps me on my, I thought you were going to say, and keeps me on my toes. And I love that you changed that just a little bit to keeps me on my knees. So how have you found that, that, that prayer and including your faith in the works helps you to be able to maintain a good relationship with your spouse and with your kids? Well, there's so many ways, but I can touch on a couple of those. So when I was a young mom, it was more about just physical endurance. Like I think parenting young boys is really hard physically, and I had some chronic health issues, which I know we're going to talk about, and had some postpartum depression. So between fatigue and depression, I really did need God's strength and his perspective on how important it was to that I was the mom for them and that I didn't beat myself up too much for the things I couldn't do. So really the word and um, just talking with my kids about God, it became a bonding thing that we did, praying at night when we would, I would tuck them into bed. And since I couldn't do everything other moms could do physically, I didn't go camping a lot or rollerblade with them or things like that. But we, we bonded over just Bible stories and prayers. And I tried to talk to them about everything as did my husband, because I think that that, that created a relationship where they're still willing to talk to us today as young adults. And that's so important. But God was my strength, literally, physically in those days when I didn't have the strength. And then now, I believe, I don't know, as the kids get older, the challenges get different. And they get more emotionally demanding, is what I've found. So I've found that my faith keeps me grounded in knowing that, you know, we're in this for the long haul. And yes, my boys may 
shop or confound me with their questions or the things <laughs> that they're saying because we live in a crazy world and they're, you know, they're trying to find out what they believe and who they are. And, um, but if I keep grounded in my faith and keep settled in that and my husband, I keep on the same page, then hopefully we're that touchstone that the boys can come back to. Wow. Oh, thank you. And as you bring that up, now it gets a little bit deeper and a little bit more real. Because I love that we get to talk about humor and fun things, but this is applied to the reality of life and the reality that we personally are dealing with, and yours includes chronic illness. So would you kind of explain what it is that you personally are, are working with and how that has affected? I loved that you talked about the ideas that, am I, am I the right mom for my kids? Is what I'm doing enough? And I've spoken to other moms who have different issues, like some who are dealing with cancer and some who are dealing with, and, and the chemo and their, their energy levels are low and they might not be able to do everything that they see other moms doing. And yet they have the, the comfort that what they're doing is enough and it is just the right, the right thing for these kids. And the kids are learning beautiful lessons from sharing this experience with their mom because you can't help but share an experience with your mom. True. Yeah, I love the way you, you talk about that because talking to my 17 or he's almost 18 year old now and just saying, I don't feel like I've taught you everything, you know, just having one of those really raw moments as a mom. And I said, you're going to college in August and I feel like there's still so much more that I want to share with you, and um, I don't think I've done everything right. And he said, Mom, that's not true. And he was encouraging me. And then I said, well, I didn't get to do all the things, like, you know, physically that I wanted to. And he said, I don't care. I didn't want to go camping, but you were there for me. Like, we, we had a lot of fun and did the, you know, and I think it was sweet that God gave me that really vulnerable moment with him where he was encouraging me. So I would just encourage all the moms out there, you know, don't don't compare yourself. It's so easy now, especially with social media, to look at other people's highlighted and curated, you know, feeds on social media and think, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. But instead, I think we need to re relax and know that who we are is who God put into our kids' lives for a reason. So I'm, I'm excited as I see my boys getting older I thought that it would be really weird, and it has been sometimes, but it's also been such a joy to see them come into their own and be their own people and get to talk to them about these deep things. I do think also, Linda, that they've developed an empathy. You were, you were touching on that. They've developed a compassion for other people that are hurting because they've seen me hurting, and they've been able to see my husband serve me, and they've come alongside and helped if I've had, um, you know, chronic issues, which I've had since I was in my 20s with both neck pain and then Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disorder, and now fibromyalgia. So deal with a lot of pain and fatigue and brain fog and things like that. And um, honestly, they've learned to, to be compassionate to those who are suffering in a different way than most kids. And I don't really think there's a better lesson you could possibly teach your kids than compassion and service and kindness and empathy. I mean, wow. And they get to learn these lessons from being a part 
of your story and, and living with you and seeing your example. You're so good at looking at the positive and looking at humor. And that's beautiful because when you're in a situation where it is chronic and it doesn't go away, it can be really easy to just feel worn down and maybe even hopeless. So how do you deal with that? That's a great question. I I don't always deal with it well. I have my bad days and my down days. But I, since I was younger, I've loved humor. And my husband is one of the most hilarious people I've ever met. If you ever follow him on Facebook, he just, he feels like it's really a mission and a calling from God to add positivity and smiles and laughter to people's days. And it's a ministry. It really is. So he's helped me lighten up because I tend to be more um, deep thinker and more serious than he is. So he has helped me lighten up. But to me, humor, just like the proverb said, it's um, laughter is medicine for the soul. And whenever I'm really down, if I can just watch a clean comedy video or, you know, my husband makes me laugh even more. Trying, I'm trying to have an argument with him, Linda, and he makes me laugh and it's not fair. <laughs> I'm Argument like, over. So who won? I wanted to fight with you. <laughs> so and my kids have both inherited that really quick wit that I don't have. Mine is very corny. Um, but but it's been important. And I think God does everything for a reason. And so um, putting me with Carrie Dyer has been helpful because there's those days that I don't feel like laughing, but he brings it anyway. And, and then I feel lighter. I feel, okay. I can take a deep breath and those endorphins get going because there's been studies that have showed that laughter is as good as exercise for your heart. And I don't like to jog, so I'd much rather watch a Sinbad video or something like that online. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful that we have options and that there's something that we can do? So if you say, well, you know, I don't really love exercise. I know I hear all the research studies that it does A, B, C, X, Y, Z, but... I can do this and I can laugh. And guess what? It also has benefits of ABC, XYD, or, or whatever it is. And I love that you brought in some things of your, your honesty, your authenticity, your openness that you don't handle every day perfectly. Because I think that matters when we're trying to show examples to people of, you know, let's look at Dina as an example of how wonderful she's able to handle her challenges. And if people think that that wonderful example means perfection, that's really hard to attain. But if that wonderful example includes, you know, I am a person, I am human, I have my frailties and weaknesses, but I can bounce back and here's what I do about it, then that seems a little bit more attainable. Like, okay, okay, I I could try that. I could do that. So I appreciate that. And you also mentioned earlier, like, Facebook and social media. And you mentioned that your husband's really good at helping people be happy and that social media is also a way that we compare with each other. And when you mentioned that, and it looks like someone has this perfect life, I thought immediately of some friends that I have where if you saw their life only through Facebook, oh my gosh, it is perfection. And they're just, they can do anything. They're always on top of it. They're always positive. And yet I get the behind the scenes view. And, and one friend in particular that I'm thinking of is on the verge of a breakdown where there are deep, deep underlying issues that need to be addressed and problems. And yet when people just see the Facebook profile, they think, oh my gosh, 
I wish I could be as perfect and amazing as this person is. And they actually have no idea what they are dealing with because we don't typically share those kinds of things. I think this is where, you know, podcasts have kind of an upper edge is that we get to say, okay, here's, here's what we want. We want to be happy. We want to be able to deal with things. We want to have a great relationship with our spouse and our kids and, you know, bounce back and be funny. And that's not what we are 24 seven. So it, it, life includes a lot of bouncing back. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and I um, I work remotely for a professor at Wheaton College who's a psychologist, and he does a lot of studies and does a lot of writing on resilience. And I do think, you know, we have our days that we're not so resilient, but over over days and months, we can be resilient, right? We can be st- strong in the Lord and still be weak. I- I'm Thank you for saying that about the honesty and vulnerability. I've just learned that there's, I want to be real because the Bible's real. Think about Psalms, how real the psalmists were with questioning God and complaining and just saying, where are you, God? And even Jesus on the cross. There's so many examples in the Bible, Lamentations and Habakkuk of this lament that I think we're afraid of sometimes in American Christianity. We have really, really bad days. We have, right now, our world is in crisis in a lot of ways. So if we're not going to be honest about that, we do a disservice to non-Christians too. They're not going to want a faith that's all perfect and shiny. You know, they're going to want a real faith that Jesus comes in and helps when we have those terrible days and that he doesn't shun us for our questions. He welcomes our questions because that's an honest relationship, right? If my kids can never ask me a question, we don't have a real relationship. Ooh, boy, isn't that a good point? And I would have to say that my relationship with God improved dramatically when I was able to be more real instead of saying the things that I thought he wanted me to say, saying the whole story, which is included a lot of, I'm really mad at you and I am really frustrated with this situation and why did you allow this to happen and X, Y, Z. And then, and then it felt like the doors kind of opened and it was more, more real, more uh, I was able to be touched more and feel the love of God that I hadn't felt before. So I agree completely. Yeah, same with me. I think my relationship to God has deepened through the questions of why haven't you healed me? Or why do some people get healed and I haven't been? Um, why is it so hard for me to you know do X, Y, and Z when other people have seem to have it easy? And so I do think that you know, I said something a, a little bit ago where I said everything happens for, or God does everything for a reason. But I also think we're not going to know all those reasons until heaven. Or maybe when we get to heaven, it won't matter. We'll be too caught up in where we are and who we're worshiping that the questions don't matter anymore. So I don't want people to think like I have all the answers and I know all the reasons. But those relationships with people and with God just deepen when we get real. So even if you're mad, like you said, you can be mad at God. There's so many examples of the prophets in, in the Bible that, that were angry, and, and yet God still was interested in their friendship and in their obedience, and he didn't smite them with the lightning bolt. <laughs> and I think there's kind of a difference in our, our anger, where it's not just anger and shunning and but more of an anger and almost a yearning where it's, it's like, I, I 
do believe you're there. I, I would like to have a connection, but I, I'm not in a good place or I need some help to do this rather than just saying, forget you and whatever. Cause some people take that route. And I don't think that one has the same healing as being authentic and, and honest with God. Yeah, I totally agree. Wow. Okay. So would you maybe give us some advice of, of how we can support our friends or family members who struggle with a chronic illness? Um, what, what can we do? What would you like people to do for you? Well, I will tell you that over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of grief and loss in our family as well. My, my husband and I both lost our fathers within 12 days of each other during 2020. Um, so it, it was really tough. And so some of the ways people came around to support us, I feel are great for people who have chronic illness as well. So I'll kind of share some of those because I do believe that sometimes in the church, we don't know how to deal with grief or uh, chronic illness in other people or even in ourselves. We want to kind of pray for them and forget about it or hope they get better. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, we think six months out, they're still de- dealing with it. Well, why isn't that better? So there's a couple things I've, I would say not to do first and then some to do if that's okay. Oh, yes. Okay. So first I would say try not to quote scripture at people that are really struggling because while scripture is wonderful, when it's taken out of context or used like a prescription, it can be really hard for people to hear. So if you can say more like, how can I pray for you? And maybe not even, I'm praying for you. But how can I pray for you? I'm, I really want to pray specifically for you, whether it's a text or, you know, if you see them at church, pray for them in that moment if it's possible, if they give you permission. So just just being real sensitive. And I'm not saying you can't ever say a verse to somebody. You don't hear that. But to use just discernment, because I've had people, you know, call me out and say, well, I think. I think that you're dealing with this sin or that, and that's why you're having this issue. Oh, that's helpful. That's not not helpful. (laughs) You know, we don't need to be each other's Holy Spirit, in my opinion. Um, But I would say, you know, if you if you know they're having a hard day, or even if God just puts it on your heart, bring them their favorite Starbucks drink or their you know favorite Sonic drink or a little treat, a candle or a something that just tells them that you're thinking about them. Leave it on their porch if they're not home or if they're having a bad day and can't get to the door. We've had people that have, when we were going through all that loss, they just sent a DoorDash gift card to our email. And we were able to not have to cook a meal. Or they brought us a meal. You know, they ask us, what do do y'all eat? We want to bring you a meal so that we didn't have to think about that. Those are awesome things to do for people in chronic pain and illness. You know, you can get a group of friends together and sometime when they're at a doctor's appointment, clean their house. That's a big load off for somebody with chronic illness or someone who's caregiving for a chronic illness or chronic pain sufferer. And then just prayer is huge. Like I said, um, maybe put a reminder on your phone once a month or once every two weeks, you're going to check in with them and just say, how can I pray for you today? especially if they're really in the midst of an illness or pain, it helps so much to, I mean, I physically feel better when I know people are praying for me. I've learned to reach out on a bad day and text a few friends I dearly love and trust and that are safe. I feel safe with. And honestly, if I can feel a difference physically 
after they start praying. It's amazing how prayer works miracles, and it, and it does help sustain us sometimes during those times. We don't know how we're going to get through. Wow. This is excellent advice. The idea of asking, how can I pray for you? And I want to pray specifically for you because I've heard that, you know, I'll pray for you as a, a just kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction. And, and a lot of times people don't even follow through. They just say that they'll do it. Um, and then yeah, I've done that. I know I've done that. It's, it's easy to do. It's easy yeah. to do. And then do something specific to help. And is that more helpful for you than to step in and, and offer something? Maybe say, hey, I would love to come clean your house versus what can I do for you kind of a thing. Do you prefer people to give offer specific, uh, specific things or do you prefer it to be kind of open? I think it depends on the person. I think um, some people don't like to mm-hmm. be surprised <laughs> and some people don't take help very well. I think we have to learn also. I know I've learned to ask for help. That was hard for me. I'm very self-sufficient and independent. But I do, I, I love it when people surprise me or just offer something specific. Um, but you can always ask. It's never going to hurt to ask, you know, would you mind if, you know, so-and-so and I want to come by and wash your windows or we would love, I'm going to the store. Is there anything you need? You know, just a text or a phone call. So I think, I think it depends on the person. And again, just to be led by the Holy Spirit and listen to those little nudges. As you're sharing this, and my mind is thinking of some specific circumstances where it really helps if you know the person and if you have a relationship with the person. And I love that you said follow the Spirit because I have one friend who her husband was being deployed and she was alone with her little kids and working and overwhelmed. And she had a group of friends and and I was in the group where um, someone just said, hey, on these days, we would like to bring you a meal. And so would you allow that? And we would like to help with mowing your lawn. We would like to help. And she said she appreciated that so much for her having someone say, this is what I want to do for you was a lot easier to accept than to say, is there anything you can, we can do for you? Because she thought, well, you know, I'm a very capable person. I, I, I can do this. And then I had another friend who um, was self-conscious about the way that she kept her home. And when someone, you know, offered to clean it for her, that was very offensive. It was like, well, are you judging me? Do you think my home is not? So I think, I, I think we have to tread a little bit with, um, like you say, follow the spirit. And if we're, if we're friends, if we know people, then it's, uh, we're better able to gauge what it is that we can actually do to help. Yeah, I do. I think that's, that's awesome. When God puts someone on your heart, what we were talking about in our life group the other day, you'd be amazed. You know, lots of times we, we, we just told testimonies of when we would text somebody or, you know, somebody was on our heart that God just put into our mind and it was random. And we're like, oh, maybe that's not the spirit. But we texted or called that person and it was exactly the time they needed to hear it. God's just faithful. He's so faithful like that. And he's a detailed God. And he knows what we need before we even need it. I love that you brought that up. Isn't that so empowering and so reassuring? Because as I'm sharing these examples of, you know, hey, you could do it right or you could do it wrong to say, man, when you're following the spirit, you're going to be right. And that 
that helps make it more safe to try to reach out and help someone because I certainly don't want to cause offense. I want to be a support to them. Now, we've talked a little about chronic illness and about grief. How about depression? Have you um, had some experiences with that? Or do you have some recommendations for how to help, how to get out of it, how to support people who are in it and all that sort of stuff? Yes. Unfortunately, all four of us in our family, my boys, my husband, I have all had different bouts with depression over the years. And my family tree on both sides, my mother and my dad's family both had depression a lot and a lot of uh, mental illness. So um, I have unfortunately had a lot of experience on both sides of being a parent and also a child of someone with depression and experiencing it myself. And what I would say is don't be afraid to ask for help. I know I mentioned that earlier. With depression, it's so isolating because you tend, your mind tends to go in these circles of, you know, I'm not worthy. You know, one loves me. I'm hopeless. Things are hopeless. And it becomes where you isolate yourself. And part of the healing for that comes from getting help. So I would suggest do those things that First off, make sure there's nothing wrong physically. See a doctor because a lot of times physical illnesses, depression can be a symptom of that. You know, I've taken different medicines for depression. I'm very thankful for that because I feel like they were a gift from God to help me heal. And I'm very comfortable sharing about it now, which I wasn't earlier in my, my life. But also I've found that a godly counselor is worth their weight in gold. And so many of them have sliding scales or even they'll do it for very little money as a ministry. Um, a lot of them do it online now, which is amazing because you don't even have to leave your home. But if you don't find a good counselor right away, keep trying because you have to find a good fit. That's been huge in, in my family's life. We've all seen the same counselor. She's even um, just not very far away, but she does telehealth now since the pandemic. So we don't even have to go anywhere to see her. And she's helped us all correct some of our thinking that wasn't right, replace it with biblical truth, and just find daily things we can do. So, you know, I spoke earlier about exercise. I'm not a big exercise girl, but I've learned to do some movement to get some sunshine on those down days. I have just um, stretches I do or walking, sometimes just playing with my dog outside on a pretty day, get some vitamin D. But if you have someone in your life with depression, really try to be patient because if you haven't been there, you don't know what it's like. So try not to just say things like, just snap out of it or, you know, just think positive. Those those aren't really helpful because it's something in your brain that needs to change and you can do that through therapy. Medicine can help. There's some people need a combination and some people will get out of depression in a short while, and some people it'll take longer. So if we can just be compassionate to those who are suffering. That is fantastic. What excellent advice. It kind of goes back to the things we talked about at the beginning with the chronic illness is when we try to step in and say something and we, I don't know what it is that we're thinking that somehow we're going to say the magic words and then voila, everything will be all better. And it doesn't work that way. It is a process. And the person who is involved has to be the really the orchestrator of, of, of things taking place. You can't do any, you can't do it for them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So we can't reach out and say, I'm going to fix you from the outside because it, it doesn't work very well. 
That's uh, so true. Yeah. But when you're on the inside, and I have experienced this as well, and it, it changes everything when you've had a chance to see it from the inside. And it's not a pretty place. So um, I, I understand that. But I'm so grateful for your very common sense advice about reaching out for help. I absolutely agree that depression is something you can't get out of on your own. It requires some outside assistance. And there's lots of different choices of what that outside assistance can be, but we need help. Yes, and I'm so glad we're talking about it more in the church. I think that for a long time we pushed it under the rug and didn't want to think about it. But I see more, especially this generation uh, that's coming up, my kids' generation, They've just, they've lived through a lot of crazy things and they've also grown up with, um, people that are influencers, you know, online that are very honest. And so part of the good that's come from that is they want authenticity. They can spot hypocrisy a mile away. And I think they want ministries and churches that talk about real issues. So I'm thankful that our churches are talking about mental health and depression and chronic illness. We can still do better. My pastor's wonderful about it because he's been through it, and so he talks about it from the pulpit. But I wish there were more support groups in our churches for chronic illness sufferers and, you know, people that have gone through depression and things like that, and people that care for those, that have those issues. I think that as we have more conversations and more people speak out about it, then people, I think it will be kind of natural that to be able to include those things because many people who haven't experienced it don't recognize that there's a need. And so as we, and people who are in it think I'm the only one, so I can't say a word because there's something wrong with me. So as we have these conversations, it helps open up the um, eyes and the ears of people around us. Those who have and are experiencing it say, oh, I'm not alone. And then people who haven't experienced it get a little bit more understanding. It's not ever going to be the same as being inside, but I would prefer not to be inside. So, um, but it does help uh, to increase the awareness that, oh, this is something. And it isn't, you know, the one in a million that I thought it was. It's actually pretty common. And, and look, there's some things that we can do about it. It's been wonderful. I've talked to people with a little slightly different topic, but trauma. And it used to be that nobody knew what to do. And now there are so many fantastic treatments where they can, oh, PTSD? Yeah, we can take care of that. Oh, you have this issue? Oh, we can take care of that. Instead of just saying, well, you're weird. We're not going to talk to you. So it's, uh, we've come a long way. And you're right. We still have a ways to go, but we've come a long way. Yes, we have. And I do think it's important that we keep talking about it because the um, just the statistics coming out of the pandemic with the isolation and different things and with the mental health of our youth and all that they've been through with not being able to socialize or go to school for so long, we're going to have to keep talking about it. Isn't that the truth? So thank you for talking with me today. Is there anything you'd like to share before we close? I would just like to thank you for having me. And if anybody would would like to visit my website, um, I have some free resources. There's some other interviews about depression and chronic illness. And there's some articles with resources. And then I have a free five-day Bible study, Bible study on weary women of the Bible. So yeah, just dinadyer.com, and I'd love to have people stop by. Thank you, Dina. I appreciate that. Thank you for working. Thank you for becoming, and thank you for sharing. It was great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Reinhold Neighbor. He said, humor is a prelude to faith, and laughter 
is the beginning of prayer. Today, I invite you to include humor and laughter in the expression of your faith. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self-esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.